Good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Let's try that again. Good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad to have you with us today. If you're a guest with us, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you worshiping with us today. I want to ask you to stand to begin worshiping the Lord together. I want to read a scripture for us. Romans 8, 15, and 16 says, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in us as believers is the Holy Spirit, He testifies in us that we are children of God. Right? It's not based on circumstance or situation or how you feel. The Spirit of God Himself testifies in you that you are God's child. So I want to pray for us today that we will allow the Spirit of God to do His good work in us today as He ministers to us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just ask You today that You'll be glorified. Father, we pray today that You would seek and find worshipers of You. Holy Spirit, we ask You today that You would do Your great work in us. That you would testify in us that we are indeed children of God. That you would give us ears to hear. You would give us hearts to receive. You would empower us, Holy Spirit, to see your word and be changed by your word. Do this in us, Lord God. We love you. We want you to do this. We lay ourselves before you, Holy Spirit. Do your good work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
seated for this week's announcements. Good morning, Southview. We are so excited that you chose to worship with us this morning. Here are your big three announcements for the week. Hey, moms and dads, if you're interested in having your child dedicated to the Lord, we're going to be having a special child dedication service Sunday, November 5th. If you're interested in this, please text the word CHILD to our number, 910-424-1298. The classes will be in the 930 service, and then we'll have the dedication at the 11 a.m. service. So make sure to text for more information about that. And on Sunday, October 22nd, we are going to be having a special baptism on Lake Up Church at the home of Chris and Rebecca Calhoun following the 11 o'clock service. If you're interested in being baptized, please text the word BAPTISM to 910-424-1298. Or if you're simply interested in just coming and hanging out and having lunch with us, text the word LAKE to 910-424-1298. And lastly, our missions team here at Southview is hosting a pancake breakfast on Saturday, October 21st from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. You can purchase tickets online by texting the word pancake to our number 910-424-1298 or you can stop by tables in the foyer today after service. If you haven't done so already, we encourage you to download the Southview Baptist Church app either on Google Play or iTunes. In that app, you can find information about announcements, sermons, you can even give online. Anything that you could do with the website, you can do on this app. So we encourage you to download it today. 
And there's two main ways that you can give here at Southview Baptist. You can give either online or in the giving boxes as you leave. And if you're a guest visiting with us this morning, we would love to begin to connect with you. If you would, please text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. That way we can get to know you a little better, you can get to know us, and we can find out how we can minister to you and pray for you. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning at Southview. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord together. Please stand and let's continue worshiping Jesus through song. Amen. And I do ask you to stand with us as we worship. I want to read that scripture to us one more time. Romans 8, 15, and 16. Listen to what he said. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. As we worship today again, I want you to worship as redeemed, adopted children of God, calling out in praise to your great dad. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you that you saw fit to adopt people like us into your family. Sinners and rebels. You chose to take us, to cleanse us by the blood of your son, and to make us your sons and daughters. Filling us with your spirit, making us a part of your family. God, we ask you today that you be glorified as we sing today your praises for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Christ. 
stars they wept morning sun was dead Savior of the world was fallen His body on the cross His blood poured out for us The weight of every curse upon Him Be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, as we come off the hills of worshiping, 
I want us to go into a time of prayer together. Um, We typically do this during our corporate time of worship. We spend some time praying together. And I want us to do that today. Um, And and specifically, I want us to focus our prayer time on on, uh, Israel, on what is taking place there, um, what is happening, what our response as God's people should be. And I've definitely had lots of questions about this. So a couple of things. Um, One, I think it's extraordinarily important for us uh, as individuals um, and for our nation to uh, 100% support and stand with Israel in, in what they're walking through and in response to this um, for a few reasons. One, um, I, I, I genuinely believe um, the nation of Israel has a moral responsibility to its people to utterly destroy um, the individuals and organizations who did this. Um, I think if someone uh, invades your country and quite literally in medieval barbaric fashion does what they did, um, it would make you an immoral country for you to say, well, you know, let's be at peace. Um, I think that makes you an immoral country if you do that. I think the moral response is to obliterate them from the face of the earth. I think that's what you owe your people there. So that's one. Second, and real quick, 30 seconds, because I'm a, I'm a geek. So, um, from a, uh, an earthly geopolitical level, you want Israel to do that, okay? Because if if Israel does not utterly destroy Hamas, here's what's going to happen. Hezbollah, another terrorist organization at the, the northern border of Israel and southern Lebanon, they will view that as weakness. They will then attack. They have over 100,000 rockets pointed at Jerusalem and north Israel. It's estimated that if they fire those rockets off, 30,000 Israelis will die day one just like that. Um, if they were to start firing those rockets, Israel would have to respond with their air force. They would not be cautious. They would not be discreet. They would turn southern Lebanon into a burning pile of rubble for decades. Um, If they do that, um, Syria gets involved. Iran gets involved. Iran, who is backed by Russia and China, you're legitimately looking at a nuclear World War III. So from an earthly geopolitical perspective, for world peace... You need Israel to utterly destroy Hamas. Like, that's a thing that you need to happen if you want world peace. I know it feels counterintuitive, but that has to happen. But more importantly for us, we need to stand with Israel from a biblical perspective, right? It's not about government. It's not about geopolitical um, workings. It's about what God's Word tells us. And so as believers in Christ, we must stand with the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. We believe that's what the scriptures would lead us to do. Um, I get a lot of questions lately about end times. Um, I know there are a lot of people on TV, a lot of people on social media with charts and graphs and telling you exactly what's going to happen. Let me help you. There's, um, I want to point you in the direction of, of who I think is the best teacher on the subject. You're not going to find him on social media. That's not his gig. He's written a book. He is phenomenal. Write this down. His name is Jesus. Okay. So, um, just, and not just in times, really just in general, he's kind of going to want to be your source. So, in teaching on this subject in Luke 21, Jesus said, Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads. 
because your redemption is drawing near. He did not say when these things start to blaze, freak out, drain your 401k, and build a bunker in your basement. He said when you start to see these things take place, straighten up, raise your head, because your redemption's coming near. What he's saying there is this, trust in God. Trust Him. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't know what the future's going to hold, but we know who holds the future. So we trust Him. So we trust Him. Uh, so with that, I want us to take just a couple of minutes here this morning, and I want us to pray, okay? Um, praying for Israel, praying for us as a nation, praying for us as people, that we would again be people of, of faith. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me as we pray. Um, Psalm 122 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So, Lord God, this is our desire. We pray for peace. And um, it's probably going to need to be peace through strength. But, God, we do pray for peace. We pray, God, your hand on the nation of Israel. We pray, God, for the families that have just been destroyed and devastated who have experienced genuinely unspeakable atrocities. God, we pray for them. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to them. God, that you would do in them what is only possible for you to do. And Lord, we echo the prayer of Paul in Romans 10, that our heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So, Lord, we pray for the salvation of the people of Israel. We pray, Jesus, that they would see that you are the Messiah. That you are the chosen and anointed and promised one. And that a movement of the gospel would take place in the nation of Israel. That salvation would come to men and women, boys and girls, through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray, God, for the Christians there in Israel, for the missionaries there in Israel, they will be emboldened and empowered to glorify you, proclaim the gospel, and see many come to faith. Do this, Jesus. We trust you. No matter what the future holds, no matter what any of this looks like, we trust in you. We lift this up today. Jesus, in your name, for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you got a Bible, let's find Romans chapter 15, verse 13 together, all right? Romans 15, 13. While you're finding that, a couple of quick things I want to highlight for you. One, um, we mentioned during our video announcements, our Lake Fellowship next week. Come be a part of that. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be fellowship, there's going to be barbecue, and we're going to baptize people. That's like the Baptist Trinity right there, all in one place. You're going to want to be there. Don't miss it. If you have not signed up, please do so, just so we can know who to prepare for, how many to prepare for. Text the word LAKE to our number, 910-424-1298, 910-424-1298. Text LAKE. 
We'll send you a link to sign up for that. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be fantastic. Come and be a part. Second, you'll notice on the side here, Operation Christmas Child Christmas Boxes. It is time. Only thing left to do is put up a tree, man. Let's do it. I'm going to be honest. My family and I, we watched Elf last night, and it was awesome. <laughs> All right, we are that family. Uh, so... Um, Come by, grab a box, go fill it up. Please follow the directions, do it properly. Fill it up, bring it back, drop it off on the steps here. This is going to be your pick up and drop off spot right here in the sanctuary. So grab them on your way out, fill them up, drop them off on the stairs when you're done. Bring them back uh, so we can get those sent out. Um, that's such a great ministry that we love being a part of, so don't forget that. Um, so... Today we're beginning a series we're calling More. And, and what this series is, it's we're going to walk through uh, six prayers of the Apostle Paul that he prayed over his churches and, and I believe also are to be prayed over us. And in this series, I just want you to ask yourself one question. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or say it out loud or fill out a survey. This is you and God. Honest. Have you ever looked at Christianity and thought... Is this really it? Like, is this it? Is this what the Christian life is? Is there nothing else? Is this what it means to be a Christian? What I want us to see, in John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I want us to see more, more. For a lot of us, we, um, we, we treat Christianity kind of like going to the dentist, all right? So here's the thing with the dentist. No one likes the dentist. No one likes If you're here today and you say, I love going to the dentist, you're a freak, and we're going to pray for you afterwards, okay? You're weird. If you are a dentist, we're glad you're here. We love you. We praise God for you, and we don't like you. <laughs> like, all that at the same time, it's just facts. But here's how we treat the dentist. We don't like going to the dentist. We dread going to the dentist until you wake up at 3 a.m. with that toothache. Right? Now, all of a sudden, you can't get in fast enough. Right? Now you're on speed down. Now you're leaving a message so that they can get it first thing in the morning. Right? Why? Well, you don't really like the dentist. You don't like going to the dentist. It feels a little uncomfortable and awkward. You don't care for it. But when you need them, you go running to them. And for many of us, we kind of treat Christianity like that. You kind of just live your life, do your thing, pay really no attention to God and the things of God until something hits the fan, then you want to kind of run in and, and ask him to fix that toothache. And what I want you to see over the next several weeks is um, there's more to it than that. There is more to it than that. As we walk through these prayers of the Apostle Paul, I want you to see the more that's available to you. Um, I was driving around with my youngest, uh, my nine-year-old uh, this week, and I forget what the conversation was. We were talking about just Christianity and being a follower of Jesus and what that means. And she was asking a question, and, and um, you know, how do you do this and how do you do that and being a Christian. And I said, you know, being a Christian is kind of like having a superpower. She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you, as a Christian, you get to do things and experience things, and be a part of things, and be empowered for things that no one else could ever do. 
There is more available for you in the Christian life. There's more. So as we walk through this series for a few weeks, I want you to see that. There is more available for us. Today, we're going to be in Romans 15, 13. And we're going to tackle hope. And, and, and the reason I wanted to start with this prayer, Paul, is because you got to start with hope. Right? If there's nothing else you get coming out of today, what I want is this. I want you to at least be filled with hope that there is more. You may not know how you're going to do it or what that means or what the path is to get there. But in the least you leave today filled with hope that it's possible, that it is available for you. That Jesus Christ did indeed die and was buried and rose again and gave you his life for more. You can live 40 days without food, three days without water. You can even go up to eight minutes without air. But you can't go a single second without hope. You'll you just die without hope. So as we see the scriptures today, I want us to look at where does it come from? How do we get it? How do we walk in real biblical hope? So Romans 15, verse 13, let's read that together, all right? Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So I want us to work through this verse, and we're kind of picking it apart a little bit. I want us to see all that it has. I want us to squeeze all the juice we can out of this one verse when it comes to real biblical hope. So I'm going to ask some questions as we work through our passage, okay? So first is this. What is the source of biblical hope? Where does it come from? Well, we see it right there in the beginning of the verse. May the God of hope. Hope only comes from God. Step one for you being able to walk in biblical hope is to see where true hope comes from and to reject and turn from all the fake places you try to find hope. When we say hope, we don't mean wishful thinking because that's the way a lot of us use the word, right? Well, I hope this happens and I hope that happens and I hope this and I hope that. You just mean wishful thinking. Hopefully a circumstance or situation turns out in a certain way and you're hoping for that. That is not the way the Bible describes hope. The Bible describes hope as this unshaking confidence in God and in His Word that He will be true to who He is and what He has said in His Word. Unshaking confidence. Hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is an unshakable confidence in God as it is revealed in His Word. When you hope in God, amazing things are available for you. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and take heart. Who? All who hope in the Lord. There is strength and confidence and courage for those who hope in God. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Do you feel weak? Do you feel tired? Do you feel helpless? Those who hope in the Lord, they're the ones who are going to have their strength renewed. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. 
You're able to have hope in the Lord because you know God is faithful. Scripture will say even when we are faithless, God is faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Hope in God. Where do you really find your hope? You know, I heard a story about Lawrence of Arabia. So uh, not just a movie, actual guy. He was a British um, uh, military officer, uh, did a lot of work in the Middle East. That's where, you know, his fame came. And story is he took a group of leading Arab men to New York. All right, took them to, to New York for, um, for a trip, to meet people, to have meetings. Put them up in a really nice hotel. Afterwards, they were um, leaving, and the hotel management came down to Lawrence and said, we have a problem, right? Um, all your guys ripped the faucets out of the sink and stuck them in their bags and are taking them home with them. What? Uh, yeah, that happened. So they went and talked to the men to find out what in the world is going on. The men were so amazed that you could turn something and water comes out. They live in the Middle East. They, you, had, you know how hard they had to work for water? The wells they had to dig, the work that had to be put in. Their, their, their wives literally all day long, all they did was make sure there was water to provide for things. And then you just walk in and turn it on and water comes out. And so they thought, this is amazing. This is a miracle. So they ripped the faucets out, thinking if we take the faucets with us, water will just keep coming out of them. But they did not understand the only way water would come out of that faucet is if it stayed connected to the source. And the only way you're going to have hope flowing in you and out of you and through you is if you are connected to the source. If you find your hope in anyone or anything else other than God, it will ultimately fall short. Right? This is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. Because we're trying to find hope in circumstances and situations and relationships. Right? Your hope is in how well your kids do. What if it happens if your kids don't doing well? Your hope is in your marriage being better. What happens if your marriage doesn't go well? Your hope is in health and wealth. Well, what happens if those things start to fall apart? Now you have no hope. Where's your source? Where are you really looking for hope? Uh, second question I want you to see. What's the result of biblical hope? When we actually have true hope in God, what happens as a result? Look at that verse again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Filled up to overflowing with all joy and all peace. All right, let me ask you to use your sanctified imagination just for a moment. What would it look like for your life to be filled with all joy and all peace all the time? What would that look like? What would that look like for you to legitimately have all joy and all peace at all times and all all circumstances and in all situations. Can you even fathom what that would be? This is again, this is the point of the series. I want you to see that there is more. There's more. These aren't just words on a page. These aren't just verses you put on a coffee cup. This is actually the word of God for the people of God. This is yours in Christ. All joy and all peace. The God of hope promises you that. 
the reason, again, we're doing this, the reason, again, that we have seasons where we have joy and peace and seasons where we don't, and seasons when we do and seasons when we don't, is because your joy and your peace are attached to where you're trying to find hope. So, again, if your hope is in your kids and your kids aren't doing great, you have no joy and you have no peace. If your hope is in your marriage and your marriage isn't doing great, you have no joy and you have no peace. If your hope is in your bank account or in your health and those start to go bad, then you will have no joy and you have no peace. What I want us to do is to take an honest look at ourselves in the mirror and say, okay, this is why I'm struggling with this. The reason why we struggle with joy and we struggle with peace is because we're trying to put hope in other things besides God. But when our hope is just in the Lord, it legitimately doesn't matter what comes. We can be full of joy and full of peace. We have a great biblical example of this in the book of Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? You know the story? Or for those uh, 90s VeggieTale kids, Rack, Shack, and Benny. So you've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar makes this golden image. When the band cranks up, everybody bow down and worship. Everybody does that, but these three Hebrew, Hebrew kids. People tell the king, king, we've got a problem. King comes back and says, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Strike up that band one more time. And if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. I'm going to crank it up seven times. It's so hot that his soldiers just getting close to it drop dead. I'm going to throw you in if you don't worship me. And what did they say? Listen to Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Here's how they responded to that. Can you imagine at this moment, not a great circumstance, not a great situation. If there's ever a time to not be at peace... Now's going to be it, yes? Now's a pretty good time to freak out. Here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These three Hebrew kids were able to look at the most powerful man on earth, the most powerful empire in the world, certain and imminent, agonizing, horrific death awaiting them. And they say, we're not going to do it. And we're at total peace about not doing it. Why? Because their hope was in God. This is the point. When your hope is in God, not in other things, not in other people, not in other circumstances or situations, your hope is just in God, then you're able to have hope just in Him. And as your hope is just in Him, you're going to be filled with all joy and all peace. So the question is this. How do we do that, right? So that's great. Awesome, joy, peace, hope, want it in God, yes. Okay, so how do we then do it? What's the next step? What's the process here? Look back at verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing. Right? In believing, through believing, with believing, from believing. The hope, the joy, and the peace come through believing. 
Believing what? Well, if you have your Bible, look up at verse 4. If you don't have it, we'll throw it up on the screen. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. What was written? The Bible. He said, through this, through the Word, we have the ability to endure. We have encouragement through these Scriptures so that we may have hope. God-given, unshaking hope comes as the end result of diving into God's Word. God's Word is the one, is, is, is where we find out who God is and what He's promised and what He can trust, what we can trust Him for. Show me someone that has abounding hope and full of joy and peace, and I guarantee you that someone who is abiding faithfully in God's Word. But on the flip, you show me someone who struggles with hope and struggles with joy and struggles with peace. I'll probably show you someone who struggles to be faithful in God's Word. This is where it comes from. Full of joy and full of peace. Hope in God through believing. Believing what God's Word says to be true of God. Psalm 119, verse 114. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Listen, it's about God's word. It's about faithfulness in the word. And so here's the way this works. Again, let's just, be, just get super practical, okay? For many of us, if we ask you, tell me about you in the Word, here's the number one response we get from people when we ask about, tell me about you and your time with the Word, about your time studying the Scriptures. The number one response we get is, well, it's not as much as I should. Right? That's the number one response that we get. Not as much as I should. So then we ask, okay, well, great, well, then what are you doing about that? Well, you know, I try, well, you know. And here's what we're doing. Okay, listen. What we're doing is we're waiting for some magical moment in time where we wake up and boom, we desire it. We're waiting for some magical moment in time where our heart is filled with overwhelming faith for it. But I'm telling you, that's not the way it works. James and 1 Peter describe the Bible as seed planted in soil. Let me ask a question. Do you plant seed after you get a crop or do you plant seed in hopes of getting the crop? You plant seed first, and then the fruit comes. The Bible describes the Bible as seeds planted into your soul. Here's how this works. You want to grow in your love for God's Word? Be in God's Word. You want to grow in your faith for God's Word? Be in God's Word. As you do this more and more and more, God stirs up more love for his word and more faith for his word and more belief in his word so that you're filled with all hope and filled with all joy and filled with all peace. We have this through believing, specifically believing his word, and we do that through time in his word. And, and, and then go back to verse 13 again. I want you to see this. Romans 15, 13. 
Again, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That phrase, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, this is something that's coming to you supernaturally through the power of God. Again, like I told my kids, when you're a Christian, when you're trusting by faith in Christ, when you're walking in Christ, it's like a superpower. You get to see things and experience things and do things and walk in things no one else gets to do. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God, this is available to you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound, overflow with hope. It's the Holy Spirit who makes the Word of God real to you. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches you God's truth. He is the one who leads us into all truth. He is the one who shows us the things of God. He is the one who makes God's Word alive in us. So through the working of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, the people of God are shaped and formed and changed so that we are filled with hope, filled with peace, filled with joy. You know, Think of it kind of like balloons, right? So, yeah, ever play the game, your kids play the game where you blow up a balloon, you tie it off, and then you're, you, you see you can keep it in the air, right? Whoever makes the balloon drops, loses, or whatever. So you have this balloon and you, you hit it, right? You hit it up in the air, and it goes floating up in the air, and it stays for a minute, and then what? It starts to drift back down. And you got to pop it up again. And it goes up and it drifts back down. And it doesn't matter how hard you hit that balloon. It doesn't matter how high up you're able to hit it. Eventually, it will drift back down. And for many of us, that's a pretty good way of describing our walk with Christ. You spend the bulk of your Christian life trying to get bumps. Bump, 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 bump. And you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this. Bump, 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 bump. So you look for things to give you a bump. I just need a different... I need a small group. I need a different Bible study. I need a, to read a different book. I need to listen to a different podcast. I need to be a part of a different church. If I just do that. And, and here's the thing. It's like a balloon, right? When you hit it, it does go up. Like it works for a little bit. And then it starts to drift back down. Same thing spiritually for us. When you try to find ways to artificially bump yourself, it will work for a little bit. So you go, oh, I knew that was it. I knew that was the problem. I knew that would be the answer. Oh, it's so much better now. And that works for a little bit. But then you will eventually drift back down. Because your hope is not in God. Your hope is in a thing, or in a person, or in a teacher, or in a friend. And not in God. See how sneaky this is? This isn't just hope in the things of this world. Yes, hope in money or in popularity or in friends. Yes, all that's eventually going to fall short. But here's the sneaky thing. You become a Christian and you just realize the, the silliness of all of that. So you set all that aside. But nonetheless, we still try to find hope in things other than God. Christian things. Spiritual things. Nonetheless, you are still trying to find your hope in something other than the God of hope. And it will not last. But on the flip side with the balloon analogy, what if you filled that balloon with helium? Man, you got to tie that thing to the ground so it doesn't float to the moon. And that's the way it is for us in Christ. When we really allow God to be our source of hope, we allow God to do this in us, 
We are filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with peace. So like I said to you in this series, there are a couple of things that I want to accomplish. One is I want to help us see that there's more. The second thing as we go through these prayers is I want to help us in our own prayer life. How do we pray? Again, you know, one of those questions that I have for you, I'm not going to make you answer out loud. But do you ever think, I just keep praying for the same things over and over and over. Do I just keep doing that? Like, what, is, what am I supposed to pray for? Like, I'm supposed to pray. Okay. But like, what do I pray for? How do I do that? I feel like I just keep saying the same things over and over and over. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. Maybe you've thought that. One of the things I love about the Bible is praying the way the Bible prays. Number one, if the Bible tells you to pray a certain way, pretty good shot God's going to answer that prayer. Number two, it teaches us how to be praying. It empowers us and fuels us in our prayers. So as we look at Romans 15, 13, what does this mean about our prayers? I'm going to give you a few things just to think through. Some things to kind of fuel and direct prayer. One, pray. God, I reject every earthly hope I have trusted in. My encouragement for your prayer time is for you to take some time really searching your own heart. And if God shows you anything other than him that you've been hoping in, uh, repent of that. Turn from that. Confess that to the Lord. Pray, God, I have faith in your word to bring me hope. Again, if you struggle with the word or believing the word or having a desire for the word, a hunger for the word, the answer for that is, truly is just more word and we can help you with that what that looks like how do you do that we want to help you do that but that is the answer as you seek god more you will desire to seek god more if you just keep standing around hoping one day magically that that happens it never does in 10 years from now you look up and go yeah i just wish i just yeah just not as much in the word as i should be i know this is the answer guys so pray God, give me faith for your word. Empower me as I'm in your word to have hope in you. Pray, God, fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in you. Do you believe that it's even possible for you to be filled with all joy and all peace? Is that even possible in your brain? Start first with just faith and believing that that's even a thing. There are many things that we never experience in the Christian life because it's never crossed our mind that's even possible. That's a verse. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's got to mean something, right? All joy and all peace. That doesn't mean the circumstances magically get better. It doesn't mean we don't walk through times of grief. We do, but the Bible would say that we now mourn with, as people with hope. The hope that you have in God changes the way you even grieve sad things. doesn't mean that you don't go through it. You very much do. Man, you go through it different because your hope is in God and in no one or nothing else. And then you just pray, Holy Spirit, empower me to abound in hope. Again, this is a work of the Holy Spirit, His work in us, abounding in hope, overflowing with hope, hope that does not disappoint. 
This is us. This is available for us in Christ. So I want to give you some time to pray. To um, just you and the Lord praying for yourself. Maybe praying for others that God would impress on your heart. People you know, people you love. Let's start with just hope that God has more for us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to give you some time here this morning just to do that. Just to set before the Lord in prayer. Maybe you can go through these as you pray or pray in whatever direction the Lord leads you. But let's take some time and set our hearts on God fact that he is our only source of real hope. today we just profess to you our desire is to abound in hope I believe that I can speak for just about everyone in the room when I say that's at least our desire we may not know how we're going to get there we may feel like that's a thousand miles away from where we are right now but God it is our desire it is our longing that we would abound in hope. We see, God, that that hope only comes through you. We see, God, that that hope is stirred up in us as we're in your word and have your word be planted as seeds in our hearts to grow fruits for, for, of, of changed life and salvation. And as that happens, we're going to be growing in even greater faith in you. And as a result of that, we're going to be filled with all joy and all peace as we believe and trust in you through your word. God, we see that. But God, for right now, many of us, maybe all we have is the longing and desire for it. So I pray, God, for us here today that we will see Jesus Christ, you died and you were buried and you rose again to give us your life and that means something that means something glorious and amazing yes that means we spend eternity with you in heaven yes that means we are safe from the wrath of God yes that means we will not spend eternity in hell but Lord that also means that we get to abound in hope right here on this earth and we get to be filled with all joy and all peace right here on this earth so I ask you, Lord God, empower us, your people, today. 
to pursue you in this. To live for more. All for your glory. Do this in us, Jesus. We trust you for this. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Real quick, before I let you go, I want to introduce you to some folk. Um, I'm going to ask the Garrisons, Keith, uh, Maria, uh, Alexa, everybody come on up, guys. Um, so um, we're in the first service, we introduced a whole bunch of new folk that have gone through our new members process. I want to introduce the Garrisons to you as well. Um, who have gone through our new members process and is coming today uh, to um, be presented to you for membership. Come on down this way. This is Keith, Maria, and their daughter Alexa, who's a senior in high school. And so um, they've been with us for several months now and plugged in and getting uh, involved in small groups. Um, Alexa's getting plugged into the youth ministry. Just really excited. Just a wonderful, wonderful, sweet family. Had a chance to spend quite a bit of time with them. And so just excited for them being a part of our family here. So if you're excited about the Garrisons uh, being a part of the family of faith here at Southview, would you just let them know by saying amen? Amen. amen. Give them a hand. Amen. And again, we had a whole crop of folk in the 930 as well. Uh, so excited for what the Lord is doing. I'm, I'm not going to make them stay up here afterwards, um, but find them and tell them how excited you are about being uh, a part of the family here at Southview. But I do want us to spend some time here at the end just praying for them, okay? So if you just bow your heads for me, let's just end our time here today praying for this uh, sweet family. Lord, I pray for Keith, for Maria. For Alexa, I thank you, Lord, for them. I thank you, Lord, for bringing them into our uh, family of faith. I pray, God, just your hand on them. I pray, God, that you would empower them as they seek to be a part of the family here, to make friendships, to use the gifts that you've given them uh, to bless the people here, and that the people here will use the gifts you've given them to bless and serve and minister to them. God, I pray that you would allow uh, them, Lord, to be a real vibrant part of the family of faith. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings on your people. We thank you, God, that you can be trusted in your word uh, to do what you have promised. And we love you for that. Thank you, God. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. Forgiven.